Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And after much internal hesitation, we've decided we're going to talk about the rest of week one of college football first, and then we're going to go into our ASU preview second. So, Matt, a lot of things happening the first weekend of college football. Some impressive, like Josh Rosen. Some disappointing, like major injuries to quarterbacks in America's Southeast. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. It's, uh, you know, I mean, overall, I'd say it's fun to have like, real stuff to talk about. Uh, we, we did a lot of previews, and and a lot of people did a lot of previews, and now we finally got games that have been played. And, uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting week. Um, highlighted, I think, by last night's game, that was uh, probably the most fun I've had watching the game this weekend. There were some fun games on Saturday. Um, but the game last night was pretty amazing, given that it looked like it was a blowout halfway through the third quarter. Josh Rosen, you know, led a very impressive comeback. Now, the dead ball fake spike play is always interesting, but it worked. Yeah, uh, yeah, it worked. It worked, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they took advantage of a rushed situation, and, and uh, you know, they had Texas A&M on their heels uh, for most of the fourth quarter. Um, and, and it was, uh, it was an impressive comeback. Obviously, you know, whenever you make a comeback like that, you, you can point to the fact of, well, boy, you shouldn't have gotten into such a deep hole. And that is true. And, and I don't know if the comeback means UCLA is going to have a special year or not. Um, but it was certainly impressive for that night. And it, and it, uh, Josh Rosen as kind of a, a presence after pretty much a lost 2016 season, um, you know, it's just like the redemption tour might have begun last night. It was an impressive game. Um, you know, uh, the fallout on the other side with Texas A&M seems to be mm-hmm. immediate. Your, your text that this was Kevin Sumlin putting an entire season <laughs> into a game was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt that way. I mean, halfway through, you know, second quarter, I'm thinking, well, I should have known. This is what Texas A&M does. You know, they, they come out guns blazing they get off to a good start, and uh, you know, and go seven and one, and then finish eight and four. And uh, you know, they they kind of like like I said, they they combined uh, a full season's worth of plot line into one game. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look like it's going anywhere positive for Kevin Sumlin's coaching career. There's already a call from one of the board of regents yeah. members uh, that he should be ousted as the head coach right. immediately. Um, you know, once the people with the money and the power start getting upset, that it's tough True. to come back. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he'll have chances to redeem himself this year because um, I, you know, you know, there is that talk. I don't, I don't see a change happening. You know, early season, uh, we do see some mid-season coaching changes lately, but not that many. You know, I mean, they play Alabama, they play Auburn, they play LSU. Um, you know he'll have he'll have big games to to try to redeem himself, but um, this one's tough to come back from. Speaking of things that are going to be tough to come back from, there were some serious injuries in that Alabama Florida State game. None more so though than the starting quarterback yeah. for the Knolls going down with uh, tendon tear and surgery for Francois. Matt, you had high hopes for Florida State, and you told me while we were you know previewing this and then separately. Mm-hmm that a lot of that was pinned on depth everywhere except at quarterback, and that was your fear. It was. It was, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and especially given how beat up he got last year, he kept 
you know, coming back. Um, he missed, you know, some time during games, the, the Miami game, uh, most notably. You know, he was out for a while and came back late, um, but never suffered a serious injury. But last year they had the luxury of having a good veteran backup, uh, a guy who, you know, is nothing special, but proved he could win, you know, in, in small stretches, and that's Sean McGuire. You know, he helped him in that Miami game. He uh, he played some, you know, two years back when Jameis Winston was suspended and, you know, led him to a win over Clemson. Um, they don't have him anymore. You know, his, his time is up there um, because of some transfers behind Francois. You know, a guy who was in his class, DeAndre Johnson, got out before ever starting because video of, you know, punching a woman in the bar. Now he's at Florida Atlantic. Malik Henry, who was very highly regarded, left after one year. Um, and so they're looking at, uh, you know, basically a, a true freshman now stepping in um, because J.J. Cosentino has never been anywhere near the prospect they hoped. He's still there, but obviously, you know, they don't have much hope for him. And uh, It changes the, the outlook a lot for me. Um, they're still very talented, uh, but I think now you're looking at probably more realistically seeing if you could pull out, a, you know, an eight or nine win season and maybe keep yourself in the ACC hunt. Um, but that's going to be tough. You know, that AC, that division of theirs is tough. And without Francois, you know, they, they take a big hit. I mean, he almost immediately, uh, his absence almost immediately turns their offense into the less miles era LSU offenses, um, where you, yeah. where your quarterback yeah. play is questionable. You've got all kinds of talent on defense. You've got a lot of skill position talent, but looking for someone yeah. to put it together. You do. I mean, they, they will need to, play great defense and they you know give them credit I believe their defense played well enough for them to win on Saturday night um you know they got they got stops you know after the the uh, blocked punt when they were down by three blocked punt gives Alabama first goal and they step up and get a three and out um you know and and then down 14 you know Francois throws back-to-back interceptions in their territory and they get them off the field without allowing any points they they played well um, you know, but offensively they just weren't good enough, and and now not having him and relying on a true freshman is is dicey. But you know, uh, you know, the hope is I texted you this yesterday. I guess the hope you cling to is JT Barrett. He wasn't a true freshman, but he was a redshirt freshman who had never played before. And Ohio State's championship dreams were supposedly dashed when Braxton Miller was injured, and Barrett stepped in there and and you know played great led him to a Big Ten title, got hurt before the you know the end of the season, but they don't win that title without him. So maybe James Blackman is that type of player. We'll see. The other big quarterback injury uh, appears to be a week-to-week situation at Georgia mm-hmm. for Jacob Eason. You know, they have Fromm, so they have a highly regarded player to step in. Yeah. And there was already some chatter during the offseason about whether Eason could lose this job. I, uh-huh. You know, Kirby Smart said all the things that you would expect him to say about how he's our starter, but we have the utmost confidence in Fromm. It's going to be interesting to see how how quickly or slowly they decide to try to bring Eason back. It is. It is. I mean, they they uh, are going to be a, a fascinating team to watch the next few weeks. Um, you know, he only played three series. And you know I've been a big Jacob Eason fan. I want him to do well. I'm not looking for negatives. But I, in the three series he played, I saw some of those same things that, that held him back last year. And most notably, his inaccuracy. 
Um, and that, you know, we've talked over the years about how difficult that is to fix in a quarterback. Um, you can fix a lot. You can improve a lot of things, decision making, mobility, uh, et cetera. Um, but accuracy is a real hard thing to improve because it goes back to your mechanics and those are hard to relearn. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, you know, I want him to be successful. It was only two and a half series and then judging him on that is pretty harsh, but there was no doubt watching Jake from, he looked more comfortable. He just looked more natural. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays now against better competition these next few weeks while Eason is out. If you are Kirby smart, and Eason is healthy, you know, by the first or second week of SEC play. Yeah. But you've won every game with Fromm. I, I think you're you going to... with a hot hand. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're, I mean, you're I think sort you of stuck to. with Fromm at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this week's game will be very interesting because you go on the road to Notre Dame at night, um, and Notre Dame was, was a, a surprise to me how well they played in week one against a team that's been... Pretty good. You know, Temple has not been a pushover the last couple of years, and they made him appear that way. Um, so that that's a tough game. And, and if he goes in there and plays well uh, and they go in there and win, you know, it sort of establishes that, well, maybe he's the guy. Now, you know, SEC play, you get tested every week. Uh, end of September, I believe they play Tennessee at Tennessee. That'll be a tough game. You know, October, I know they play uh, Florida always. in the You know, so depending on how long Eason is out, you know, he's going to have to keep proving himself. Right now, you know, it's funny. The Georgia fan base has gone from thinking Eason's the savior. Twelve months later, he's trash and we're on to the next savior. But if Jake struggles in a couple of high-profile games, he'll be trash too and we'll be begging Jacob Eason to come back. Yeah, that's college football in a nutshell right there, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody was clamoring for Eason last year at this time. He you know, he wasn't the starter to open the season, but he got in in the first game and he played well. And, and my God, things were just going to be great. And, you know, he had some ups and downs, some very good moments, uh, some moments where he struggled. And then the new kid comes in and you know how it is. It's, I mean, we do it here too. It's always, you know, the flavor of the month. The freshman is the guy who's going to change everything. Um, and and uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, he did look good, but it's Appalachian State at home. Um, things are going to get tougher for Georgia, and, and they start this week, and, and I'm curious to see how he plays. It's a tough environment. I'd be remiss if I left the conversation without mentioning that Howard pulled off the point spread, biggest upset of any <laughs> team ever, going into UNLV. Uh, yeah. Cam Newton's younger brother is the quarterback at Howard, and leading them to a, an impressive victory. Yeah, which, which uh, the only thing that surprised me, I guess, most out of that is how was UNLV a 45-point favorite over anyone? I mean, you know, like, honestly, UNLV has not been. I know Howard is, you know, whatever, their FCS and their – but, man, who, who set that point spread? I mean, UNLV hasn't been good for a long time. Uh, being, them being a 45-point favorite over any college team is a surprise to me. And, Matt, that brings me to the last thing that I have on my non-ASU checklist, which is you had a bold prediction that you wanted to put on the record, and that is all I know I about do. it. That's all I know about it. I do. It. So what is it? Well, it goes to your, your boys, Alabama, who, uh, who did play well, and, and uh, especially defensively. But I don't know about you. I don't know how much you saw in the game. I saw some of those same offensive struggles 
that they had in the semifinal and the final. And they did play a good defense. Um, but if those struggles continue, I mentioned this name to you off the record before, watch out for them putting in the true freshman. And let me say it right, slowly but correctly, Tua Tungovailoa could get some playing time. And I think he's going to be a huge star, if not this year, in the future for Alabama. Yeah, if they can't get the offense squared away. Now, in Hertz's defense, he's on his third offensive coordinator in 14 he games. He um, is. And, 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 you know, look, he, uh, criticize him if you want, uh, you know, but he's 15-1 and one as a starter. Um, and he's, you know, two seconds away from being 16-0, and 0, or I guess 15-0. and 0. He didn't start the first game last year. But, uh, you know, I mean, he didn't play poorly. But some of those same – I mean, and he's going to have better games. I mean, they're going to play Colorado State, Fresno State, and, you know, bad SEC teams and he's going to put up big numbers but it, the question for me is you know can he produce against the top level competition that they're going to have to beat to you know win the championship he didn't do that very well last year um, you know in the end he struggled against Washington and you know yeah their defense collapsed at the end but if they could convert some downs they would have won that national championship game um, they never could and and so that to me is the big question mark there is you know can, can he show the improvement that they need and in the game one I didn't see it yeah all right well that is bold I so, like it yeah um, yeah I told you off the record I believe Tua will win a Heisman before his career is over or at least give give Nick Saban the best quarterback he's had and I'm still thinking that the last the last guy I've heard this kind of buzz on before he ever played was Jameis. And I don't throw around Jameis comparisons lightly. No, very much no. I, so, I'm, I'm excited yeah. for the run of text messages that just say Tua with an exclamation <laughs> point. I mean, you love Alabama. Well, I think you do. You love Nick Saban. I know that. And I hate Nick Saban. But I do like this Tua kid. And won't get me to, you know, say roll tide, but I like him. And if he gets in and plays well, you might get some Tua texts. It won't be like Jameis. He's not playing for the Knowles. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a star. Well, you heard Matt's bold prediction here. If you've got bold predictions, let us know on Twitter. We are always interested to know who listens and if they respond to things that we throw out there. Um, Yes, yes. But with that, let's go to the San Diego State preview. So the Aztecs opened with a 38-17 win over UC Davis. Uh, But even that's a little misleading because it was 38-3 going into the fourth quarter. The, st- right. the starting quarterback for the Aztecs, Christian Chapman, 16 of 21 for 220 yards, two TDs and a pick. Nine different receivers caught passes, but Matt, that's not where my concern is. After watching how New Mexico State seemed to be able to run at will against ASU, and we'll get into the defense and the issues, uh-huh. uh, I'm now more scared about the rushing attack. Aztecs running back Rashad Penny rushed for 197 yards on 21 carries with yeah. two touchdowns. Overall, San Diego State had over 275 rushing yards in the game. It's going to be an issue for the Sun Devils. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I agree. You know, what's what's funny is I've read some things. I read, I think, just today, you know, and it's a, two sentences. But, you know, the Pac-12 blog did their power rankings. And, oh, the Sun Devils were atrocious against the pass. They gave up 398 yards. To me, that is, that is a bit deceiving. Um, I thought our pass defense went fresh. And, again, you know, there's that caveat. But when first and third quarter, I thought we defended the pass fairly well thought the run defense was not very good I, I too much yards after contact too many times where you had a guy you know that should have been for a loss and he ended up getting five or six yards um, and and that is a big concern for me this week 
because, you know, they're, they are kind of an old-school running game attack. Um, we'll see a team very much like them in three weeks in Stanford, I think. And, and if we don't defend the run better, then it could be a, a rough night for us. Well, I agree with your analysis, especially about the passing game. You know, one thing that the stat sheet doesn't take into account was the ridiculous catches that Jaleel Scott was making. True, um, true, yeah. You know, to, it doesn't account to, for you know, guys that, you know. Guys are in position, yeah. and he makes a circus catch and tiptoes yes. the out-of-bounds line. Yes, yes. I, I mean, and, and again, I put a lot of those passing yards on fatigue. Um, you know, we talked about it right after the game, and it's a story in the days since. The head-scratching decision to basically only play 11 guys on defense, um, which I find interesting because I – you know, as I was driving home that night after we recorded, I was listening to the you know devil talk and – Jeff Munn says that Todd Graham on the radio said, basically, you know, the second team didn't practice well enough to play. Well, apparently he didn't say that to the print media or the TV media because that really didn't get any legs from what I heard. You know, Haller didn't write about it. The columnist didn't write about it. Um, and so I don't know if in between then he decided to, you know, just be more vague or whatever it was. But for whatever reason it was, it was mind-boggling and – it makes evaluating the defense very difficult, I think, because I have to assume that was some sort of ploy and it won't happen again. I really hope that's the case. Well, the, the idea that we're not going to play our second team as a punishment for their poor practice, right. I think you, in a text after, you know, that night or the next morning, pointed uh-huh. out, it's really more of a punishment to the first team who you left yes. out there forever. Yes. And, and Tashawn Smallwood basically said that in his interview where, yes. yeah, we yes, can do it, but obviously fatigue is a factor for us. Yeah. I mean, when it's a hundred and some degrees and you and I know how hot it was, we sat outside there and it was brutally hot. And imagine going out there and, and, you know, running and being at pads and, uh, you know, I don't care how conditioned you are. It's going to take it out of you. And I just don't understand it. And I, I, I mean, I, I, going forward, as I as I look at this season, still, I'm, I'm just like I said, I'm making the assumption that that was some sort of motivational tactic, and it won't continue. Um, but if it happens again this week, then we have to assume that this is the way it's they're they're intending it to be, and that is uh, scary because imagine you know two weeks from now going to Texas Tech, as I said to you that night. Well, a team that likes to run a hundred plays and go real fast, you can't do that. Uh, you know, you'll you'll be dead by midway through the second quarter. So uh, I don't know what to make of it. I just have to hope it doesn't happen again. And the other part of that equation, to me, is if you're going to do that, if that is what Phil Bennett wants to do, is he wants to play yeah. his starters as many snaps as possible. Like, let's, yeah. let's set aside the idea of them playing every snap. But let's say his goal is, I want the starters sure. on the field for as many snaps as possible. Well, somebody better tell the play callers on offense that we need to exactly. milk the play clock. Um, exactly, yeah. I mean, you can help your defense that way as well. And, and, you know, Phil Bennett said, I think it was Phil Bennett, you know, that said the thing about, you know, well, being the first team is not a participation trophy and you have to earn it. Fine. You want to play your starters 80% of the snaps? Uh, sure. They're the starters for a reason. I'm all in for that. You know, you want your best guys out there the majority of the time. You also want your best guys out there in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line playing well. And that wasn't the case against New Mexico State. We survived it. Um, but, it, you know, it, you're not always going to be up by 24 points and be able to just, you know, kind of put it on cruise control. 
Uh, you're going to have to get stops in the fourth quarter to win some games, and we didn't do that very well in this game. And it's not just stops in the fourth quarter or that you want guys to be available all game. You want guys to be available all season, and this is a recipe for disaster. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's my fear, and, and we'll never know it. But, you know, a game like that and, and the physical toll that it could take playing every snap, I mean, is there going to be long-term damage from that? We, apparently nobody got hurt severely, so that's good. But, you know, what if, what if a guy, you know, because he's not ready to practice again, he goes out and pulls a hamstring in practice this week? Because, he, you know, I mean, it just there's, there's a domino effect of that that I worry about. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just it, it boggles my mind. And the notion that, you know, the second team didn't practice well enough, well, a couple things of that. Uh, you've got to, I mean, so, so on that theory, if a couple of your starters start not practicing well, are you just going to play nine on defense? Because you're going to be so stubborn to say you didn't earn playing time? No, of course not. That's idiotic. Um, and, and if you only have 11 guys that you can trust to practice and play well, you've done a poor job recruiting and evaluating talent. Um, in, in year six, you know, we're not coming off of NCAA penalties or something like that. I mean, we should have a full cupboard. If you've only got 11 you trust, that's really problematic. Yeah. Well, and to that same point, what is the better time for these guys to get better and get reps when they're banging right. into their own players and trying to kill each other exactly. in practice? Or why not get them some reps against New Mexico State? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that was that was a game that, you know, you and I discussed in the terms of this could be like a preseason game. You get a lot of guys some snaps. You figure out who's, who's ready. And it, and it had that feel, I mean, especially in the fourth quarter, you know, we get that interception early in the quarter. We're up by 24. That was a perfect time to do some experimenting, and we didn't do it. And I, I don't know why, um, because you may not have a game like that the rest of it. I mean, in all likelihood, uh, there's not going to be another game where you're up by 21 or more points in the fourth quarter. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that's the case. And you missed your chance to get guys some opportunities to play. Yeah, it feels like they – they were penny like just they were cutting off their nose to spite their face. They, yeah, exactly. You know, I used exact phrasing with somebody I was talking to somebody else about it, and I used that piece. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, you're not playing well in practice, and the guys who are playing well, we're just going to run into the ground. Yeah, in a game yeah. that yeah is you know with ten minutes to go was pretty well in hand. Now I know there were late scores sure. where it tightened up, but I'm also not suggesting that. You never should have put the starters back in the game. I'm suggesting that right. maybe a rotation where, you know, Tayshawn Smallwood Sprinkle. didn't have to play every play yeah. except for the one where his helmet came off. And, yeah, and really, I don't, I don't, yeah. a bit of a blessing that his helmet did come off and he got exactly. a breather. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a wholesale shift change like in hockey where you put in 11 new guys. But sprinkle in some different guys, you know, and... And, I mean, this this is not rockets here. I mean, you see it all the time in football. You have nickel packages you had. You know, you'll probably have some defensive guys who play just every snap. But you won't have all 11, certainly not among your defensive line. Uh, I mean, your biggest guys, you know, who are not as well conditioned, obviously, because of their size. Uh, I mean, no, no NFL team, you know, and the NFL is different. You're not running 100 snaps. Will play a defensive lineman for every single snap. It's just suicidal doing that. I mean, you know, you've got to get a guy a break here and there. You may want him to play ninety percent of the snaps, but still not a hundred. 
Um, so that just doesn't make sense to me. And, and again, I mean, you know, this notion, if you've got a player or two who you think, you know, they're not, they're not working hard enough, you didn't earn playing time, fine, that happens. Mm-hmm. But if your entire second unit isn't practicing well enough to play, then that says something about you as a coach, I think. Uh, I mean, like, why aren't they? And, and what did you do wrong in evaluating? Yeah, I, what I'm curious about is, you know, a couple guys in the secondary we know now appear to have been suspended right. for disciplinary right. reasons. Will that change it? But I guess my concern is not with the secondary. My concern is not really with Calhoun and Sam, although it would be yeah. nice if they ever went into a nickel package where one of them could right. sit a play. Come off the field. Yeah, um, yeah. But the idea that you've got Wicker and Smallwood playing uh-huh. every snap. Look, yeah. I, I, I understand that those are the guys who we're relying on. They are defensive captains. Sure. They are leaders. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you, – I mean, we see that a lot. You know, you, you take a guy – you take those guys out for the first four plays of a drive. Then you put them back in. You know, just something to – to you know, save some wear and tear on their bodies because again, yes, it's the fourth quarter, but as you said, you know, it's also November. You you know, you don't what you don't want is to get to November and maybe be, you know, let's say you're five and four, or four and five, something like that. You're you know, you're you're working to earn a bull, and those guys are a shell of themselves or they're injured because you wore them out early in the year. That does you no good. So. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a myriad of things that just don't make sense to me about that, and and I I just hope that when I'm watching the San Diego State game on Saturday, I don't see the same thing, because then we have to assume that that's a permanent thing, and you know, I think you really have to adjust you know expectations for what this team can do. So Saturday is going to be a late night. We got a late kickoff. Yeah. Pac-12 Network. Um, I think ASU is going to win because. It's still non-conference. It's still a game they yeah. should get. Um, I, my hope is that there is more defensive balance, and that yeah. goes a long way. I'm picking ASU 35-31. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm making two assumptions here. One is what we've been saying, that the defensive strategy of playing only 11 will not continue, will be a little bit more conventional of sprinkling in some guys and not fatigue as much. And also the intensity overall will be a little more consistent. I felt like it uh, it came and went on Thursday night. Probably some of that is opening games. That is who your opponent was. Um, and those shouldn't be excuses this week. So I'm going to make those two assumptions and say ASU wins. But if those two assumptions aren't correct, they'll lose. Uh, this is a game they can absolutely lose if they play like they played Thursday night. Um, but I'll say they win. I'll uh, – I'll say something in the area of your score. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 31-24. I don't think that we'll be able to keep them out of the end zone, um, but I do think that there will be a slow, maybe methodical, offensive rhythm this time, and I think that's going to keep the scoring low, considering yeah. what they did in their opener. And what ASU could have done, you know, but yeah, for a couple yeah. of field goal issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing I'd like to see from the offense is a little bit more sustained drives, like what we saw in that opening possession. It was really the only possession. I guess there was the one where Balaj scored the touchdown, but you know, we had two touchdown drives that were 
what, two plays each. I think, you know, long touchdown passes on the second play of each, which is great. I mean, you know, that's that's great to have those, but you can't get on those consistently. It'd be nice to feel like we could, you know, methodically, as you said, move down the field, which wasn't a, a big thing I saw on Thursday. It seemed like, it, you know, we got into uh, third and eight, we couldn't convert it. And, and you have to be able to convert those in order to keep drives going um, and, and put points on the board and not have, you know, five possessions where you punt, which is what we had at one point in that game. One thing that I do think is worth noting about the offense and, and something that we saw that I don't think there was a lot of during the course of last season was Manny was pushing the ball down the field a little more than I had come to expect. Yeah, yeah, and he's got to continue that. I mean, uh, there were a couple times I thought he should have that he didn't, uh, you know, and, and that's exactly the thing of, of being able to convert those third and longs. Um, I didn't have the confidence we could do that on Thursday night because we just weren't, you know. If we didn't get a good chunk on first down, it felt like, you know, we're behind the chain, might as well get the punt team ready, and that's that's not a good feeling, and it's a feeling that we cannot continue because, you know, again, going forward, you go to Texas Tech, you can score on them, but you better, you know, you better be able to score a lot of points. You, you can't have, you know, four possessions where you punt in a row against Texas Tech or you'll get beat. You got to keep up with them offensively. Matt, the last thing I want to talk about, and then we'll go for the week, uh, is the tweet that you sent me. Todd Graham has said that his captains for the coin toss are going to be Brady White and Mitchell Fraboni because they're smart and they won't screw it up. I, I have two. I have two thoughts on this. I'll let yeah. I'll let you do the second one, which is what you texted me about what it could be. But my first thought is. How how little confidence do you have in everybody else that if you tell them, hey, we want to defer, they can't remember that when the <laughs> yeah, lights are I mean, on? <laughs> I have to hope that that was a joke, you know, and, and it, might, it might have been. I'm hoping that's one of those where, you know, if you'd heard him say it rather than read it in print, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek, like, you know, and, and that really the reason to do it is maybe you're, you know, you're, you're just giving a little bit of, of you know, uh, praise or love to a couple guys who are hard workers who normally get, you know, the long snapper, obviously, you know, he plays, but you don't notice him unless he screws up. And a quarterback who is, you know, apparently doing a lot in practice but can't play yet. Uh, so I'm hoping that's the reason. Uh, you know, the joke I made to you is this, this, you know, and I'll clean up the language, is this part of, you know, uh, the, the, you know, Todd Bam uh, manipulation machine which has been, you know, effect before in keeping quarterbacks in the fold when every piece of logic would tell you they should transfer. Um, and maybe that's, you know, maybe it is part of it. Who knows? Well, you know, he's, he's managed to keep guys around that I didn't expect. And I would have thought Brady White would be gone already. Yeah, it's one of those things where Graham has always been able to get these guys to buy into the system and stay. Brady White, you know, is rehabbing an injury, and you assume that mm-hmm. he'll probably be able to get a medical red shirt down the road. Yeah, yeah. He could leave, but everything that they're doing is indicating that they'd be fine if he beat out Barnett for that two spot. Um, yeah, 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 and, and, you know, which is somewhat alarming because of the hype that down to Barnett, but, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, there's, maybe there is a feeling, and they're obviously never going to say this, but maybe there's a feeling that, well, you know, neither Manny or Barnett has been that impressive and, 
we want to keep this guy around so that if he's not cleared this year, which I think you have to prepare for that, he'd at least, you know, be an, an, a candidate going into 2018. Um, that's not ideal. I, I told you that in August that I, you know, was hoping what we would get out of this was a quarterback for the next two years at least. And hopefully we will. I mean, we don't know that yet, but, uh, uh somehow they're keeping him in the fold and, you know, it could be beneficial, but it's definitely surprising to me that he hasn't already put for higher ground. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Matt and I will be back after the San Diego State game. We'll break it down, and we're going to try to get into this rhythm where we're doing one preview and one recap a week, plus talking about what's going on. Uh, The NFL starts this week. We didn't do a whole lot of NFL talk right now, but... You know, as things happen and as games start being played, we will get into it. I'm sure Matt's rooting against the Patriots on opening night. So, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Not very hopefully, but yes, I am. So we'll start with that as your one piece of NFL takeaway. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. You're our listeners. Twitter is where you can hit us up. And this is the Ben and Matt Sportscast.